So we are ready to go. Show is all yours as soon as you want it. Fantastic. Gabe's ready in the back. Mike, are you ready in here? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Glass Half Sports. I am uh, one half of your hosting duties as always, Nick Huffman. Today is June 23rd. 23rd today. 2022. We are officially in year two on the fastest growing sports show on Facebook and the rest of the internet, folks. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Mike Mensing. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. How are you? That's been a good week. Good. Short week. Didn't have to work on Monday, which is good. Happy Juneteenth yeah, to happy everybody Juneteenth out there who celebrated. Got, yep, they got the chance to celebrate. Little, fr- you know, frustrated still because that comment that that kid made just kind of sticks in the ribs. So I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna try to avoid. Okay, you're getting old. No, I'm not. Can we not do this right away? We'll, we'll wait five minutes. All right, fair enough. And then we'll do it. Uh, so we do have a big show as always for everybody. Uh, unfortunately, we were looking forward to having Arif in studio today. Something came up in his life, so. Obviously, Arif, take care of stuff, and we look forward to having you on uh, hopefully here soon. Yeah, sometime before the Viking season. Um, so we're going to go Talking Twins to kick off the show today. Yep. Uh, we're going to go NBA Finals recap. Or Mike's The Mike Was Right segment. <laughs> uh, NFC East predictions. We're going to have to go through that dumpster fire of a division. <sighs> um, and then Hot Corner when we have time towards the end. Are we doing a card giveaway today? Uh, no. Okay. You know why? I don't know why. Because nobody signed up for it. Nobody. We open cards every week that are worth money, and I'm just going to start selling them because nobody wants me to just give them to them. Yeah. I mean, I'll buy them. $1,000 card, nobody could share. Yeah. Unfortunate. Jeez. Holy smokes. But yeah, Mike, if they uh, like the show and they want to share this with their friends and help us grow, because obviously the bigger we get, the more that we can give back to our fans. What platforms can they find us on? As always, guys, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, YouTube, Patreon, and Twitch. Are we on Twitch? We have a Twitch account. Yeah. We need to start uploading to Twitch. Uh, I need to start uploading to Twitch. There you go. Um, actually, that's something I want to gauge the interest on a little bit. So How about it? The games I specifically play typically are going to be more so sports games, obviously, aligned with the show. So I right now I'm playing MLB The Show quite a bit. I play Madden quite a bit. Um, I can if you guys would like to see me. Like Breakout like adventure games. Like I can play FIFA, I can play The Witcher, I can play Red Dead Redemption 2, whatever you guys would like to see. Let us know in the comments. Glass half gaming. Glass half gaming. Yeah, just Ooh, let I us like know. that. On behalf and, of the people, we want you to play, Mike. Yeah, oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. We want you to play. This man is probably one of the greatest sports gamers I've ever seen. So for those of you that may need that little extra push. To push Mike towards Twitch, just go ahead. Tell him to get on Twitch. He seems like one of those guys who plays um, Madden and goes for it on like fourth and thirty-two or whatever every every single time, you know. So it's really fun. oh, I'm the like exact it's not opposite. Fair. Yeah, Mike, I'm the okay. exact opposite. Mike play plays it like he's an NFL. If it's coach, fourth and one and I'm on the good. opposite forty and it's a fifty-seven yard field goal early in the game, I might just punt it and put you right in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Mike yeah. is also the guy that when he's up by 50 after playing the right way all game, will run to his own end zone, juke you out all the way coming back and still score the football. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then if you can't get us on social media, you want to just sit on your couch and watch us on cable. We are pretty good on big screen. I watch it in we my are. living room. This yeah, week. it's pretty cool, actually. Uh, Saturday nights, 10 p.m. on MCN 6 in the Minneapolis-St. Paul Twin Cities surrounding area. Yeah. I get I get it in Anoka, so you guys should be able to get it pretty much anywhere in the suburbs. And if you're not... In Minnesota, just go to Roku and download the MCN6 app, and you'll be able to find us there. Yeah. There we go. All right, so let's uh, get things started. 
Talking Twins. in on the Twins in like two weeks. Yeah, we had our free-flowing episode last week. Unfortunately, the Twins didn't come up. Uh, there's a lot of people that are calling for Rocco's head right now. Not surprised. Thoughts? Not surprised. Like, I, I, there's plenty of talent there. And there, I understand the argument for the mismanagement of the talent. But I think if you're going to do Rocco like that, you also have to kind of look at um, Falvey and Levine or whatever, the, the managers of the team as well. Because there has also been, I think, a lack of accountability in in moving pieces at appropriate times. Like, in baseball, it's it, it kind of has to be a revolving door. When you have talent, you have to do one of two things with it. Find a spot for it on your roster or move it to fill a spot on your MLB roster that you don't have locked up right now. And the Twins have so much stagnancy in that area. We've talked about it over the last almost month now with their infield. They've got an abundance of infielders. They do. Austin Martin, Royce not, Lewis, not Jose Not outfielders Miranda. nor pitchers. Exactly. So why are we stunting the growth of a guy like Austin Martin who's stuck in double-A ball because there's a lot of guys at triple-A ball or fringe MLB players instead of moving maybe some of the guys you could do without because Austin Martin's supposed to be an absolute star and filling out our pitching rotation and making a run at playing competitive baseball at the MLB level, which takes us all the way back to your argument the other day of how do the twins begin to put butts in seats? You win ball games. You have an interesting team that people want to come and see. I agree. Um, I would say it, it just lends to the mismanagement of like what happened with Royce Lewis. this yeah. year. It was clear that they didn't really have a long-term plan with Correa knowing whether or not he was going to be yeah. coming back or, actually with us for the duration of his three-year contract. Yep. With that, that leaves Royce's future completely up in the air. They're trying to get him on the MLB stage because he's an yeah. MLB ball player, and now they're forcing him around different positions. He plays center field and gets hurt. Yep. That injury would not have happened if he was playing short. I would agree. So Or third. To me, that's the lack of a long-term plan. And obviously, long-term plans can switch because of things that happen. Situations are situational. Yes, they are, Mike. However, you need to have a long-term plan in place and execute that plan. Like, this kind of goes back to an argument that we've had many times. I think your long-term plan needs to be maximizing your winning window and having a four- to five-year winning window. Yeah. With that in mind, you try to win every year. Yes. You know what I'm saying? If the opportunity presents itself... Don't step over $10 now hoping that you're going to find a 20 on the street later. Agreed. But put yourself in a position that you can hopefully pick up $10 bills along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So it, it, it all lends to mismanagement, and I think that's higher than Rocco. Yeah, like I said, I think Falvey and Levine have a lot to do with it. Right. Rocco himself, so did you know that Rocco Baldelli has the third best record in the American League since taking over the Twins? It doesn't surprise me at all. And it's so actually are we, are we going to truly improve if we go somewhere else? No. That being said, I also think that there are good options in the twin system as far as maybe hiring from within a guy that we will maybe have on the show at some point in Toby Garden hire, who's got a lineage of coaching <laughs> acumen it's literally in his blood. It's in his blood. And then you've got guys like Madden and you know, the guys that just got canned. But I do, honestly, I think it's a GM thing. 
Yeah, and the, but the, the, the unfortunate part is the GMs, much like when you talked about Spielman and Zim, they're tied together. Typically, so if you're gonna get rid of one, you kind of have to get rid of the other. I would unless say unless you find a perfect fit for what Rocco then wants, empowering him as your head coach to find him a GM that he likes. I would say they're less tied in baseball because typically managers are more so lineup setters yes. and clubhouse morale guys sure. than they are making moves. Like the NFL head coach typically has a little bit more free reign yeah. than an MLB manager. So I wouldn't say they're as tied. Um, the funny thing that I've noticed is the phenomenon with Rocco is consistent every year. Yeah. At the beginning of the year, we pitch pitchers four to five innings, maybe six. Everybody's up in arms. Why did we take them out with 75 pitches? And then we bring in a reliever that throws away the game. Yes. That has happened every year. Oh, yeah. And now that we're starting to get deeper into July, who was it that pitched the other day? He got to, I think Joe Ryan got to 101 pitches. Now that they're getting deeper into the season, their arms are stronger. They're used to that workload. Mm-hmm. He's allowing them to go deeper. Sure. So... It's just interesting to see the dynamic. Fans get really upset early in the year because pitchers aren't going long enough. They go longer as the season progresses. Yeah, but as they're going longer now, our results are worse. They, they, the thing is, though, it's still that long-term plan. No, right? I totally 162 agree. games, you have to let Joe Ryan get to 100 pitches now, even if he blows a game. So when you are in October, he can get true. to 115 and hopefully close it out. Totally agree. But like... With true aces, which is what the Twins have missed forever. Sometimes if you go out onto the bump early in the year in inning five, and he goes, no, I got three. I got three innings left in me. I feel great. You let him throw the three innings. You have to – progress is consistently testing your boundaries to figuring – to find out where you fail and where you fail forward from. Whether or not I agree with what Rocco's doing, all I'm saying is it's been the same phenomenon. Yes. Right? So it's just interesting that – other fans haven't caught on. Right. That, I, yeah. What's can up, I Gabe? interject one thing here? Because sure. th- th- there's there's something here that, that, I, that, that I'd like to hear Mike's take on. But because I hear what you're saying, and I have that same sort of of a conservative mindset with pitchers as well. Like, you know, work them into it, build up the arm strength. I was a pitcher and all that. So it's like I kind of get it because I do remember pitching spring training type stuff and whatever. You get raw fast. and But – Nothing is really, I've never heard anything that definitively answers for the four-man rotation. You know, why could we, why did we do that for 60 years in baseball? The four-man rotation was absolutely sufficient. They, it was. They threw tons more innings. I believe that it's like a belief thing. Like we, like truly, and I know the game's more specialized. Yeah. I know, but th- there were dudes who threw 95 back then too, man. Like yep. they absolutely did. Have uh, you ever heard any, like. Yeah, I think, uh, to be honest, my take on that would be that baseball as a whole has gotten soft. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Like it's, it's gotten almost too analytical. Like, oh, Joe Ryan, now that you're in the seventh inning, your fastball has dropped off four miles per hour. Exactly. We need to take you out. It's like, no, he's still striking guys out. With, it's at 91. Like, who cares? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's yeah. when I, I'm sure, Mike, you can relate to this. Like, that's when as a pitcher, I felt best. Like, because you, you've been pitching for five, six innings, whatever. Like, you know your feel. Like, yes. You're, you don't notice the four miles per hour drop. It actually feels looser and smoother. You're and more the ball accurate. is still blowing right by the guy. So or why does it matter? If, yeah. Or, like, even if you were a little bit diminished, you knew the batters. You knew their swings. You right. knew what your ball was doing that day. Like, yes. You know. You know what it, stuff it was, you had in the bag. Yeah. And what you didn't. No, I agree with you. I think, and, and 
I think it's funny because a lot of teams have almost toyed with the six-man rotation versus going back to a four-man. But you want to talk about how to, uh, I guess, best implement young pitching? Like, think about it. In the playoffs, how many pitchers do you use? Three pitchers, Typically right? three, maybe, maybe four, four if you're, like, close geographically and you're playing those back-to-backs. So, I mean, I, I, do, I would side with Gabe on this. I believe in having a four-man rotation and then having a young guy – as in that your swing bullpen, fifth, as your swing fifth, and if your guys' arms are tired, he gets a start. Yep. If one of those guys only winds up going two or three innings because he's getting shelled, that That's guy comes that, in in yeah. relief, and that builds that teaches that young pitcher then how to pitch in clutch situations yep. or how to you know tighten things up or come in in tight spots or whatever. Like I, I hundred percent think that the four man rotation is a better option than five or six, but I agree with Mike as well. I think. It's a lot of these guys are so, and sabermetrics is a big part of it. I mean, is a big part of it. And this isn't even against Buxton himself, but the way that they're handling Byron Buxton, yes, is soft. Yes. And then I've got one more twins thing to throw in. Yeah. If you're all right with it, I, it, you know, you said, yeah. Okay. So here we go. So I've got, I think there's a player who needs to be shouted out that I think is just fucking incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to fall in love with them. And even on your twins discussion, I feel like we are in a position where, like, I think the Twins have some of the most exciting talent in the major leagues. Yep. And yeah. what you said about Joe Madden, that actually pinged me where I'm like, oh, shit. He might be a great manager for he this team. He does really well with young <laughs> yes. teams that are ready to pop. Think raised. about those raised teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, man, that could be great, actually. And we talked about it. I don't think he necessarily needs to come in and be the manager or the coach or whatever. He needs to come in and be a, like a like consultant. almost like a consultant, yeah. right? Somebody that bounces back and forth between the Youth majors development and the minors. Consultant. And, yeah, the majors and the minors and is just there specifically to help mold the yeah. young talent that you have and give Rocco additional tools that Rocco might not be aware of because Joe Madden has been to the mountaintop with teams like this time and time again. Yeah, agreed. What has Rocco done wrong? If you you like as far as from the managerial. Well, the argument, and I don't I'm like very split on it because he his pitching development is the argument against him is he's too analytically based. Which is weird considering that he's a former player. That's very weird. So yeah, like is he doing things where he's making moves against the feel of the game, kind of? Yes, because the the numbers say to make the move. Really? Yes. I hate that. I fucking hate. So that, there you actually. go. You hate Rocco's managing. Style. I guess so because <laughs> I, that's one of my biggest things from being a player. There's feel in the game, there Matt. Is. Like many times, but anyway, the player that I wanted to just put more shine on, we put some on, but Luis Rice. Yes, yes. Yeah. dude. So look at this. Oh yeah. Ichiro asked who his favorite player is. Yep. Luis Rice. I think that's so cool. But there was uh, an article in. Um, Fox that I was just going to put up here. It's on the screen for you. The audience can't see this, but Bummer. just some of the numbers. I mean, I can get it so they can see no, it. No, it's all right. Um, just how it's not the fact that he's batting 361. Which whatever. is, by the well, way, why is he not getting the same praise Joe Maurer got? And isn't it like 403 over the last month? Oh, yeah, it's absurdly high. Yeah, 20 points higher than the next guy. But they were putting it in a historical context that it's that this is in the most, like the worst hitting year. So yeah. basically the average for the average league batting average was 271 um like in 99. It's been well like in that range yeah. ever since. Yeah. This year it's 241. Yep. Which is the second lowest since 1968. 
when they, it was 237. Yeah. So he's batting. It's like 400 in a normal oh, yeah. year if you adjust for that. But um, even his um, OPS, man, like his OPS was great. He's got a great eye. Well, dude, that's the funny thing is now that they're trying to pitch him inside. Doesn't matter. He's just like, I'll watch. His average is a little lower, but his power is greater. That, and his walks have gone up. Yep. He's like, I'm not going to swing at that. Put something over the plate, and I'm going to put it on. I'm going to put it in play. Check out this stat. He has swung and missed at just three of 300 fastballs seen. Three of 300. That's, in a league where you're getting relievers on a regular basis. One percent of the time he that, misses that fastball. That throw 99 with tail. And, and run. And we have a tweet on the on the thing that that is that the audience can't see. But why don't you guys just tell us who this is? Who it is who's bigging him up? Who is it? Rod, Rod Carew. Carew. Oh yeah. Rod. Look Carew's at how in. consistent his swing is. Is the tweet? Yeah. I mean, it's this dude. This is a great article. So I'll recommend anyone to check this out. But it's a Fox Sports one, which I've never really uh, spent Bally, time on there. It's Bally, but yeah. Oh, okay. it says Fox Sports. It says right Fox on Sports, it. but. If you look at the video and stuff, it's okay. all done through Bally Sports. Oh. Why would there well, it's foxsports.com Fox is where yes. it's at. So, yeah, yeah. That's weird. But, yeah. But, no, has... Luis Rise is a stud. We're at the point now where. No, here's here's a question quick, and then we really got to get into the twin schedule yeah. and kind of move on. But with Arias being a utility infielder, does it... he make the All-Star game? Yes. He need... yes. Not only at that, what position? For the tw- Any position where there's a guy that's not hitting super well. But I think you can only. If I go to vote, I think he's only a first baseman. That's fine. Name another first baseman other than Paul Goldschmidt who's hitting the ball like that. Yeah, I don't give a shit where you put this guy. I really think him, it's power, right? It, That's where the DH, other guys will have him. There's a DH? Cool. Put him in Put him in as DH. So the other first baseman. Shift him around all game. Yeah. Like Vlad Guerrero Jr. has 17 homers. Cool. He plays third base. Um, he could be a DH like Ed, like and Edgar seventeen. Martinez. So he's got thirteen more home runs and seventeen more RBIs. Um, he's like I really believe Rizzo almost twenty homers, fifty RBIs. I think we are looking at a future three thousand hit guy. I'm gonna vote for him right now. While you I'm know what's funny? Starting it late. Yeah. Um, and for me, like, there's no reason why he should not be a part of every lineup that you have for the rest of the season. He's got a he's got that that thing that magic bat thing where he just puts the barrel on it and and squares it. It's yep. he's that's your that's something. your. I, I know that everybody loves Buxton in the leadoff hole. My oh. adjustment as Rocco Baldelli for after the All Star break is my top four changes. It's now Elise Luis Arise, Iron Buxton, Jorge Polanco, Carlos Correa. That's what in the Buxton's batting average is right now. Two twenty. Two twenty eight. You know what though? His WAR. He's still like top twenty-five oh, yeah. WAR because so all of his he hits well in big moments right now. Yeah, and yeah, I should even ask this. I wasn't sure. Does does fielding figure into your WAR? Yes, it does. That's what I thought. But all so, right, yeah. So the Twins in the recent time here not been great. How far back should we go? Ah, uh, just the last week. You can. I have the schedule. We can. Yeah, here it comes. Gabe can put it up. Yeah, we have graphics this week, Mike. Sweet. There you go. I didn't know if you threw your computer out the window or not. I was. We're going to get into football social media teams here later. So um, technically, let's go back to June 16th then. Yeah. Start of the D-back series. Not great. D-backs One. aren't a great team either, are they? No, they're not. They've got some good pieces. They have a losing record, 31 and 36. For me, uh, the bats just went completely and utterly dead silent. Yeah, but I mean, you also allowed 
an average of five runs per game. So like that's not oh, right. No, the pitching either. hasn't been good. And that's why people are calling for Rocco's head, right? It seems like the sky is falling. Nobody's hitting and the pitching has been bad. But I'll also say like Sonny Gray hasn't been back. Joe Ryan had to do a stint down. You know what I mean? We've had some pieces. We've also had like hurt. the most injuries in the league, right? Yeah. Or second this, most over this last little stretch here. So, you know, Polanco's out. We should be getting him back before too long, but you can't afford to lose too much more ground here because you've surrendered the division lead to the third best team in the division in Cleveland. Yeah. And it does get slightly easier, but then we got Cleveland again for, like five, for games. five games. So it's, it's interesting. So um, final thoughts on the week that was need to pick it up. Got to find a rhythm. I mean, what was it? Loss. We won one game. Yeah. We're one and four in the past week. So like Johnny cash get a rhythm. Yeah. So, looking ahead at the week that is today, whoa, whoa, whoa. we're just going to ignore the top twin. Oh, top twin. I mean, is it not Luis Rise? No, again? it's Chris Archer. Really? 13 over his last two starts, 13, 13 innings pitched, a sub 1.2 whip, and a two ERA. Are we starting to see him round into shape to be a guy that we can rely on down the stretch? Two starts isn't enough for me, especially with who he is and his track record. What so, I would say possibly, but. Very skeptical. But if that's who you get for the rest of the year. Well, then, yeah, that's ridiculous. You pair that with the Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan, even at their average, like we're. Oh, that's potent. a playoff rotation. Yeah. There you go. I just don't realistically see that happening. Okay. To so be you're honest. giving it to Luis Rice. You don't think there's anybody else. I'll give Chris Archer his props for okay. the week that was. Cool. And I hope that he continues it. Me too. I just don't predict that. That's fair. And Luis Rice is like the rock star of the Twins. The ridiculous. Yeah, that's for so looking ahead at the week that is uh, we got the Guardians again today in about 40 minutes, 12, 10 first pitch tomorrow. We start a homestand against the Rockies. Yeah, three game stint. And then we go on the road next Monday to start a five game series in Cleveland. Yeah. So I think the recipe for this is try to find a way to wake the bats up in a in the middle of the summer in a ballpark where the ball should jump off the bat. With Polanco coming back, Correa healthy, Buxton in the lineup, we should see, I'm not going to say a route, but steady wins. We need to put against up, the I would Rockies. say, I would say like 18, Five runs, 18 runs yeah. in three games. So Five that's runs a, a six run average. So we're yeah. right. We're close. First of all, before you get into that series, though, you have to avoid the sweep. Oh, absolutely. You have to avoid the sweep today at uh, Target Field. Yeah. Because then you got to, you got to go play them. On the road? Yeah. On the road, I believe, yeah, at Guardians for five of them. So 27th, 28th, 20, yeah. uh, 28th is a doubleheader, actually. Yes. Um, and then 29th and 30th. Yeah, it's going to be a tough stretch, but if you can get hot playing Cleveland or I would say Colorado. in Cleveland, you ha- so Colorado, we got to win the series. You got to yes. take two out of the three. And then in Cleveland, I would say a minimum of two of the five. Three. Because if you go, like, it's the whole home versus away, right? Right. So, unfortunately, we lost the series at home. Ideally, we need to win two of three at home yeah. against our division rivals. On the road, if we if you can go 400 on the road in the division, that's not horrible, and that sets you up. In theory, you're winning more games at home than you are yeah. on the road. So, like, that's kind of the recipe for success, is you have to win at least two. If we win three, that's great. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I just think with them having the division lead, we're creeping up on the All-Star break. What I would like to see... Because what happens around the All-Star break while these while the players are all out doing their thing at the All-Star break or getting their rest, 
the self scout for teams happens. And I think you see it a lot, no matter how good or how bad the team is or is not on paper. If you have a division lead at the all-star break, you approach the trade deadline much differently than you do. If you're a second place team, if you're a game or two back though, it's, it's really, it's, but if you're the, but if you're the twins or if you're a fan of the twins, you're praying that they get into first place. Cause if they get into second, they might just stand pat. If they're two games back at the all-star break, you still you need to make a move not only to get far in the playoffs, but to get into the playoffs. Yes. So I think it's even more urgent at that point. If you're six, seven games back in the second games in the second spot, it's a different approach. True. And we're gonna be two or three games back after if we get swept today. You know what I mean? And then you got five we're games be against two games them back at home. if we get swept. So I, I think I wanna see six six wins over the next Nine games. What I was going to check out. Ooh, the Guardians, you know who they play in between us? Who? The Red Sox. Well, they'll get beat. So hopefully they get swept there, to be honest. I almost wore my big poppy shirt in today. So and then close. and then after us, they have the Yankees. So oh, yeah. they have a tough stretch a little bit. We have oh. room. That, that's Here's what I'm saying. There's room to get your those chance. games back. Here is your chance. So, I don't think it's the world is falling like everybody makes it seem. Well, if you are uh, on the side of Chicken Little, feel free to let us know what you think about the Minnesota Twins as they approach the All-Star break, and we can uh, move on over to, what do we got next? Uh, the Mike is Right segment. The Mike is the, Right segment, yeah. With the NBA Finals. So the uh, Golden State Warriors capture their fourth ring as a part of this dynasty, and as Mike fights off bugs in the studio here, um, we will give him the floor to... Claim his uh, or give him his his fifteen minutes of fame since he earned it. He was right. Boston Celtics all year long was the, their claim was the best defensive team in the NBA. Yeah. Golden State, when they came on late in the year and then into the playoffs, was the best offensive team. I don't care how good your defense is in the NBA today, hand in the face or not, mm-hmm. Steph, Clay, even Andrew Wiggins mm-hmm. are going to hit that shot. So then it's, can you keep up with us? And it was actually Golden State's defense and experience in the playoffs yeah. that ended up paying off. Absolutely. Exactly the way I called it. Which is fair. Now, I will say way too early prediction for next season. Boston represents the East in the finals again. I don't know. They, they've they been there, done that. The whole Jason Tatum out on the floor after game six. Like, I don't know, man. Sure. Like I said, they needed to get to the finals once and understand what it was like to be in the finals because it is a different animal. Yeah. Now that they've been there and they understand what that is, I, I'm i looking forward to Boston representing the East next year, and I have no idea who's coming out of the West. I'm going to tell you right now, if this Boston Celtics team wanted to win a championship, it was going to have to be this year. I will admit when I am wrong, and I was wrong on two fronts here. I was wrong on believing in the strength of the coaching and the uh, like the grit of the Boston Celtics team as a whole. And I was wrong about the star power and the ability to drag a team across the finish line of Jason Tatum. In game four or five, Golden State came out and punched them in the mouth and Boston shelled up like Cat against a like real they big had man. Been there before. It's it was uh, it, it worried me not only for the current series when I saw it happen, but for the future of this core. I don't know if when 
Kevin Durant gets another piece in the East, or maybe you see Dame Lillard come over to the East, or Giannis gets Chris Middleton back, or some of the other powers that be in the Eastern Conference. If this Boston Celtics team, even with the way they are constructed now, or if they add another piece, are going to be able to overcome what they are going to have to go against. Keep in mind, Philadelphia is also probably going to get quite a bit better, shedding the James Harden contract or making a trade to get a yeah, piece but they're back the for Sixers, him as well. So they're probably going to lose in the first or no, second round. I get honest. it, but I'm just saying there are pieces that they got to somewhat avoid or play not at full strength this year that gave them the opportunity to get here, right? These... I would. I would, so you think the that the run you to the finals was somewhat easy? A little bit. Is your argument. Yeah. Okay. I would agree with that. I think like last year, the Suns. I was like, they'll be back, and the Suns were back. Did they lose in a heavily competitive series in the playoffs? Yeah. The matchup just wasn't. good The for matchup them, yeah. wasn't good for them, right? But I don't feel the same way about Boston, especially considering Curry wasn't really Curry. Great third quarters, not great. Great fourth quarters, like I, thirty Curry points play, a game in the finals. I get it. I get it. But a majority of those points coming in quarters one and three, he didn't score well in quarters two or four. And they hunted him to some success on defense. Clay Thompson was well below what he is capable of doing in this series. Jordan Poole shrank in good moments. Draymond Green turned the ball over a lot. Like there were plenty of holes in the way that Golden State played that should have led to Boston being able to make this happen, and they didn't. Golden State. Played at half strength, basically, and took and care lost. of it in six. Yes. So if they were full strength, this could have been a sweep. Yeah. So so let's talk about our second segment. You brought up the coaching staff of Boston. Yes. Steve Kerr, now with his fourth ring. Yes. Well, what is it? 10th all time? Yeah. He's is got... he the best coach in the NBA today? Yes. Is he the best coach all time? Close. He's probably the strongest argument for number two that anybody could make. It's got to be Phil Jackson, Deeker, and then everybody else. The way that he has... I mean, you got Pat Riley up That's there. That's what I was going to say. Is he, is he better than Pat Riley? I think he is. You got... Who is the coach of the Celtics in the 80s? As the old guy here, I actually can't answer that. You were the that. one that just watched the Showtime Lakers show. Can't you tell me? I can't remember who the coach was. I remember Red Auerbach pulling the strings behind the, behind yeah. the scenes, and he's probably one of the best GMs ever, Sure, honestly, but I can't remember who's on the bench for them. Steve Kerr's ability to selflessly manage egos right. is a direct reflection of who he was as a player having to play with Michael. So that's actually an argument that I was going to make is, is Steve Kerr a product of the era that he's coaching in? No, he's a product of the era that he played in. Would he have the same coaching success if he coached the Showtime Lakers? Yeah. Because of the egos? Yes. Would he have the same success if he coached his Bulls team? Probably. And I'll say that because of the lengths that he was willing to go to as a player to earn Michael's respect. Would Phil Jackson have the same success with today's Golden State Warriors. No. Okay. So in that argument, you're arguing that Steve Kerr is almost better. Here's where I will say, Phil Jackson's ability to develop all-time great players is greater than what we have seen Steve Kerr do to this point. Now, if when Curry passes the torch, we see Jordan Poole become another iteration and of... Kerr what, wins two more. And Kerr he's wins clearly two more, the best. Then he's the best. Yeah. But 
I say Phil Jackson right now because you saw what he did with Michael, and then he got his hands on Kobe and did the exact same thing. Is it more so X's and O's with Phil? Like, he is, he's an eccentric guy a little bit. If you know anything about Phil Jackson, he's a little bit of a weird dude. Casey Jones, is that the guy you're thinking of? Casey Jones won two championships in the early 80s with uh, the Celtics. Never had a, a year with less than 57 wins. Yeah. Oh. So, I mean, that's pretty that's dang pretty good, good. Too. Yeah. And really, this made me think, too. When you say all time, are you really meaning all time? Because I mean, I'll see. There's back, Red Auerbach you know? before he took over the GM role. Like, he was ridiculous. That's the Bill Russell Celtics. In 66, how many teams were in the NBA? I don't know. More than one. one. And there were really <laughs> only two dominant franchises back then. Yeah. He won nine out of ten uh, championships in a row. I don't care how many teams you're going against. It was still at least like eight. I And that's fine. But yeah. I would Red Auerbach coach well today. No, because his style wouldn't work. Exactly. But with Phil, going back to Phil Jackson, I think what made him ridiculous, I think his handling of players was great. Yes. His X's and O's was otherworldly. He developed the triangle offense. Yeah. Like he is probably the best coach with X's and O's there will ever yeah. be. Oh, yeah. Um, His and I think that's what makes IQ him was like elite. If you're going to be that elite at something, like every single person that is at the top 1% of their craft is weird. Oh, yeah. And he, Phil Jackson's really weird. a weird dude. And Phil Jackson is a weird dude because. He's so out there. He, I would be willing to bet that half of his thoughts are outside of the box. Oh, yeah. Like, he's just so creative and innovative mm-hmm. that that translated really well to having special talents like Michael Jordan yeah. and Kobe Bryant. Yeah, okay. I would agree with that. Um, I think Steve Kerr did a lot by this and the way that that team is set up right now. Vegas, if Vegas doesn't open up next year with Golden State as the betting favorite to win the title again next year. But, like... So here's a question. I, I, I want to give Steve Kerr his due, yeah. right? The talent that he has on that roster, though, mm-hmm. could Ime Aduko have won if they just switched coaching roles? You don't think so? No. Okay. Fair enough. I, and I don't know enough about him because I was he wasn't he an assistant in Golden State? Uh, I don't know about that, but I know that they both played under Pop for a bit. Yep. They're both kind of the Popovich tree. Gotcha. Gotcha. And like you can make an argument that yeah, Steve Pop- Kerr is Popovich and Jackson tree, which is like insane. The, yeah. Two of the greatest and I guess, coaches and I, ever. You know what? Now that, and I forget. Yeah, are you going to bring up Pop? Sometimes I do forget Pop. He's probably top five. I don't know if he's top three though. But you know my feeling about him having coached some of the, I lump in his lack of success in other situations outside of the end. <clears throat> right. Um, what does that mean? He wasn't great. He he. Got, what did they get the bronze medal one year with him at the helm okay. of the USA with team? a with a with, with like a, Kobe, KD, yeah. LeBron. Like how do you not D Wade? Do you guys Carmelo think, Anthony? Um, does Kerr command respect like what Phil Jackson does? Like you know, to me, what Phil Jackson, um, he was the first guy who sort of really understood being a player's coach, but he was tough. You so know, that what was, I mean? that's ex- actually my answer is I think in his own locker room he commands a ton of respect. I think even outside of other locker rooms, he commands with some. I think the fact that Steve Kerr does talk about social issues, something that Phil Jackson yeah, did not yeah, do. That's fair. There are people in the U.S. that do not give him the time of day, even in his field of stuff yeah, like sure. field. Right. That's Just fair. because. But could Steve Kerr 
command, like, okay, if he came into the situation where that team just gets fucking messy one year, like where there's big they did. problems. They did. He did. The year where Draymond called the, 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 the year where Draymond called KD a bitch. Yeah. On oh, the sidelines, yeah. the, the KD years were tough on him, and fractured that entire team. That did they not get to a Western Conference final that year before KD blew out his Achilles tendon? Like to hold that thing together all year long and make a deep playoff run with a disgruntled Kevin Durant who is awfully prickly and Draymond Green who is, in my opinion, like our generation's mentality version of I think Dennis, Dennis Rodman. Rodman. Okay, like for him to hold that together. With an all time, with two of the best shooters of all time on that roster to keep them out of the mess, yes, I think he demands an absurd amount of respect because of what he's been like because of what he's been through. You look at Steve Kerr's resume, and you you can't everything he says holds weight. And then, really quick, before we move on, Steph's legacy. No, he may he makes the Mount Rushmore. Is he over LeBron? Yes. Same amount of rings, shorter amount of time, larger impact on the game. None of the I need to switch teams to go get a championship shenanigans. I saw a Facebook post the other day. If you go to the what? What is uh, Steph in the finals? Four and two, four and one. Uh, four and two. Two so losses. So if to you take a girl home six times and you score four out of the six, it's pretty solid. Yeah. If you take a girl home ten times and score four out of the ten. Not great. There you go. Here, I, mean, I, I got a couple of these uh, crazy Steph Curry stats. Only only unanimous MVP uh, in history. Largest scoring increase by reigning MVP. Yep. So actually to go up. Um, Three-point career marksmanship. Free throw marksmanship. Highest scoring average in a 50-40-90 season. Yep. I mean, he just... Let's see. And let's 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 give him his credit. His his ability to be a selfless leader is the pro- probably the best thing about him. Like for him to understand, all right, you know what? As much as people may give me some shit for a couple of years, I'm a pretty likable guy. I need KD. Let's go get KD for a few years. For him to know that you know what? I might be the best shooter in the league, but at any best given shooter moment, all time. But at any given moment, Clay Thompson will be a better shooter on the floor than I am that night. Sure. For him to know that Draymond's shenanigans are going to put him in the line of media fire and him to go, I can manage that. For him to manage all of these things, keep his mouth shut, stay above. Everybody gives LeBron this credit. He's been in the league for 21 years with all of this hype and has never done anything wrong. There's a lot of players like that. Steph Curry came in as a nobody, earned that respect, right. and still has not slipped up. Right. That's why I, yeah, I think he's the greatest all time just because he Ooh. doesn't, he isn't not the greatest, greatest all time. physical. I mean, as far as basketball skills, he is. You're going to put him above Michael? You're going to put him well, above Michael? Listen, and Kareem? And all Shaq? I'm saying is uh, Mike, uh, Kareem, Shaq, LeBron, what do all those guys have in common? They're physical freaks. Yeah, that's true. He does. He is a fucking regular guy, almost, right? He just has this preternatural ability. If to you shoot. saw him on the street, you wouldn't know. Yeah, you would. I'd fight him. <laughs> oh, no, if you yeah, saw you him lose, at a bar, Dave, you oh, would of lose. course I would. Of course I would. But I'm saying, like, that's what you like. 
you know, to me, that's what's cool about him is that he's, a, right. you know, he's no, like and a superhero. He is. And for me, my my Mount Rushmore, if we're and he's I, six to 185 pounds, he's I'm, definitely not imposing. No, my Mount Rushmore has five names on it. So add an additional head. But, you can't do that. Yeah, whatever. So <laughs> right now for me, it's Michael. Kareem, Shaq, Curry. Duncan, that's my five. No bird. No bird. No magic. No magic. Recency no bias. Mm. All right. Well, let us know what my you guys think trader. about. Let us know what you. With no bird. <laughs> I mean, he's our one guy. He's our one guy. You, you can't. You can't get him in there. Curry's close enough. Oh yeah. Jesus! All right. Uh, let us know what you guys thought about the NBA Finals uh, and who comes back next year. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know who you think's got it next year. Um, and then uh, time for some football. We haven't been able to talk a whole lot of football like recently it's june it's june there's not but a lot to talk about we're uh we're continuing with our nfl predictions today we're in the dumpster fire division and we have started a lot of uh we're hated by a lot of fan bases as we go through and oh, bring and it do, bring and it do, mike is mike has become an outcast to a large portion of the miami dolphins community because every one of them thinks they're gonna win the Lombardi this year for some reason. I saw yeah. that blow up. What? Oh yeah. Like like what happened there? No, Mike that? Mike thought they were gonna win five games, and everybody's like, "This guy doesn't know shit." Yeah. Until they win five games. No. It is funny how I like, got the same dude. Going into the finals, the Celtics had an eighty nine percent chance to win that series, and I called Warriors in six, and everybody was like, "Oh, this guy is an idiot. He has no idea what he was talking about." Oh, shocking. All right. Well, and hey, by the way, guess what else we get to check off our list is like an official year two sports show. Obligatory Cowboys talk. That's where we get to start. Sweet. Let's talk about America's team. Yeah. America's team. Wow. Yeah. And, and the Dallas Cowboys uh, in 2022, pretty much status quo for them. They've really only lost what? Amari Cooper as their main piece and a pass rusher. They retained their entire coaching staff after a little bit of offseason turbulence. Um, so, Gabe, whenever you're ready, we can get the graphic up and go through the games. Which I oh by the way before we start this <laughs> before thing. we start this NFL social media teams I should be able to get on your websites and look at a good representation of your schedule if I wanted to put it as my screensaver if I wanted to print it out to share with my friends if I wanted to just look at to review instead of just like the, the Google version, right? The fact that I have had to make 90% of these schedules for this show is appalling. Do better. Do better. All right, let's get into it. Mike, weeks one through five for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they start uh, at home against Tampa. Then they go at home. Or they, uh, they stay at home and place, face Cincinnati. And they go on the road to face New York at home against Washington. And then on the road against the Rams. Okay, so I apologize. Remind me. Blue is road? Home games are uh, white. Okay, so I'm going to say two and three. Okay. Got a specific and Both reason. wins come in division. Gotcha. Um, the Dallas Cowboys are going to finish 10 and 7, 9 and 8. That's okay. who they are. Um, they have the firepower to beat good teams, but as Cowboys fans should know, they like weirdly collapse against bad teams. Yeah. Um, so there will be a couple surprises coming later in the season, but I think three out of their first five games are against legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Yes. Um, I think the Buccaneers game is very close, maybe yeah. like a four point 
win for uh, Tom and the Bucks. I just don't see Dallas's defense being able to hold them down enough. So okay. it's a little bit of a shootout. Uh, Cincinnati. I expect Cincinnati to take a huge step forward, um, and I think that this is a good game for them. They're playing a good team on the road. I think Cincinnati wins this one. Okay. Uh, the Giants, we'll get to them later. <laughs> uh, the Commanders, team on the rise a little bit. I'm concerned about team on the rise. We'll get to them. Later. The fact that they don't have a ton of skill guys. Like they have a good receiver, a decent running back, and a quarterback who will be hurt by like possibly week four. And when he's healthy, you don't know where the ball is going. So Dallas in that one, and then Week Five, LA is arguably the best team in the NFL. All right. Well, I have them at four and one. Holy shit! Listen, no Grodwin, no Gronk, new guy at the helmet, head coach for Tampa Bay Week One. Some new pieces to the defense, and everything is a year older. That game is at home. I think they get a win. All right. You're going against number twelve. Yep, I agree. Cincinnati. If you go back to my Cincinnati prediction. I had Dallas beating Cincinnati in that prediction as well because I think that's this is going to be the opportunity where you see if there's one thing that Cincinnati did not do well last year was stop the run. Like I think it was the weakest part of their game plan as a whole. I think it was stopping the pass rush, but okay. So I, I close second to stopping the run. Like they've got a good pass rush and they've got good safeties, right? But Zeke and Tony Pollard in that game – are going to weigh really heavy. And I think Micah Parsons wreaks havoc on Joe Burrow in that game. They get a win there. Of course, obviously, I think they get walkover wins against New York and Washington. Yep. And then their first loss comes against the Rams. So they're 4-0 going into the game against the Rams. And then they get, I think they get their shit pushed in against the Rams, by the way. Because that's a road game. Aaron Donald shuts that Khalil every Mack, time. And right? No, Khalil no, Mack and the Chargers. Chargers but they've got... They the other Bobby LA Wa- team. They get Bobby Wagner or yep. KJ Wright or Bobby something. Wagner. Like the Dallas's game, because of Dak Prescott's <laughs> limitations, and yes, whether anybody wants to admit that he has them or not, he has them. When they can't run the ball, that offense is incredibly inefficient, especially with Kellen Mond being the guy yeah, calling the games the plays. that Dak throws 50 plus. Attempts. They're usually losses. really bad. And I think with Aaron Donald and Bobby Wagner there to stuff the run, that's going to be an uphill battle on the road and a pretty hefty loss against the Rams. Four sure. and one. All right. Going into the second section of the schedule. They are at Philadelphia, at home against Detroit and Chicago. They go to Green Bay, to Minnesota, and then they come back home to face the Giants. Second time. Mike, how does it play out? Uh, I'm going to say four and two in this stretch. Okay. Um, beat Philly, beat Detroit, beat Chicago, lose to Green Bay, lose to Minnesota, beat New York. Okay. Specific reasons for any of the games that are close? Um, I'd say the two closest games are probably going to be like Minnesota and Philly. Yeah. Uh, Philly at home on Monday Night Football is just like a weirdly tough team to beat. Mm-hmm. Lincoln is tough to go into. Um, scrambling quarterback is always hard to contain. And I think Philly will be probably that second best team in the division. So this is going to be a good one there. Yeah. Um, Minnesota and Dallas have always kind of matched up pretty well. We've talked about this matchup, though. In our Vikings prediction. Yeah. And I had the Vikings winning, I believe. Yeah. So you did. I did not. I'll uh, I'll continue with that trend. Yeah. Um. I think that Phil. I think you're spot on with that Philadelphia game at home. 
Once again, I'm looking at what teams are going to do really well against the run with Dallas. Okay. Well, who did they draft? Well, they already have Fletcher Cox and then Jordan Davis. Oh, and, and then, then Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett. And then they got their interior D line is ridiculous. And then they got Nicobe Dean. Yep. So I think Dallas going to have a real hard time. And Nicobe Dean by week six should be, should be in having rest. significant playing time. Yeah, so I think that defense gives Dallas problems. I think the ability for um, the Eagles to also run the football in that game against Dallas chews up a lot of clock and limits a lot of the, oper- the big play opportunities that Dallas should get if their offense is on the field a lot. Um, so they'll take a loss there. Um, obviously, walkover wins against Detroit and Chicago. You got to go to Green Bay, which I, I had a bone to pick with that one during the schedule. They'll get... They'll lose to Green Bay because they got to play that game at home. They beat Minnesota in Minnesota. Accurate with my prediction going back. They beat us with their third string quarterback on Halloween last year. I had to sit in U.S. Bank Stadium and watch that. So I have zero faith. It's a different Vikings team. Yep, yeah, that's what everybody says. Um, and then uh, they will beat New York. So at this point in the season, I have them at eight and three. I have them at six and five. Right. And Probably leading the division. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Last part of the schedule, they have a home game against both Indianapolis and Houston. Then they go to Jacksonville. They get Philly at home before they end the season with two games on the road against Tennessee and Washington. Dude. Four and, well, I couldn't remember if it was four (laughs) and two or five and one. Four and two. Four and two. All right. Why? Indianapolis. They're uh, that's going to be basically who can run the football. And I guess I do trust the two headed monster a little bit more than Jonathan Taylor. Okay. And it is close. Yeah. Houston. I don't trust Davis Mills. I want to make that very clear. Well, they're never Houston is never going to win the Texas battle. Right. So Dallas there, Jacksonville, you're going to win three games this year, guys. They say <laughs> one of them, uh, Philly at home this time, Christmas Eve game. I'm going to say Dallas takes it. Yep. And then uh, those are the last two losses, actually. Uh, Tennessee and Washington. Oh, you have them losing to Washington. Because that's on the road in Washington, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, divisional game on the road. You probably have the division locked up at this point. Finishing 10 and 7. Okay. Um, I have them a tad bit better. They only lose two games in this stretch for me. Same as me. I think. So, we were the same from week sixth basically through uh, for, as far as like yeah. it's the beginning record. of the season yep um indianapolis indianapolis is dallas with difference at wide receiver junior. play and quarterback i think it's dallas jr to be honest i think they're de- i think i think the colts defense is better Slightly. i think the colts pass defense is like pass defense is better as well i think they have better corners other than just having trayvon Diggs, right yeah now dallas has better receivers I still am going to give the edge to the Colts offensive line and run game over Dallas's offensive line and run game. But Dak is a better quarterback at this point in his career than Matt Ryan. is, And that's actually why I give the nod to Dallas yeah. because Indianapolis will have to defend the pass more than Dallas will. Right. But I think it's a little bit of a trap game. Okay. They come off beating pretty handedly, probably New York. Sure. And then they got to come and play a very smash nose Smash mouth style of football against Indianapolis. That's they a take Thursday a night, isn't it? Yes. So yeah. it's on a short week. Yep. Um, and then they get Houston, Jacksonville, Philly, win, win, win. So they'll split with the Eagles. 
I gave them a loss against Tennessee. And the reason being is because I have a sneaky suspicion that Vrabel, like Tomlin, will always find a way to get wins when they need them in order to get them into the playoffs. So I think Tennessee will take that game and then they will beat Washington, sweeping the series, and they end the year 12 and 5, leading the division and actually biting for a first round bye in the NFC this year. I just don't think they're that good of a team. We'll see. We will see. So I have, uh, we both have them winning the division. Yep. So Dallas Cowboy fans can't be that mad at me. Nope. We won't be starting any riots in the comment section. But, time, Michael, you're also winning the worst division in football. So if you want to pat yourself on the back for that one, go ahead. Are you sure they're the worst division in football? This year? Yep. All right. Well, let's tell everybody why. <sighs> let's go to the New York Giants. Do we have to? Yeah, we have to. All right. So the New York Giants, they start their year against Tennessee. Then they, uh, on the road, by the way. Then they get Carolina, Chicago, and Dallas all at home before they leave to go play Green Bay week five. How does this go? I'll say they take one, and it's Chicago at home. Okay. Otherwise, they just they're they're not a great team. Honestly, they they have no holes on the table, offensive huh? line. Yeah, they have holes at quarterback. <laughs> A glaring hole at quarterback. If Saquon can stay healthy, that's a totally different season for them. But uh, he hasn't proven that healthy. he can either. Right. Um, their defense has a multitude of holes. Yeah. And they so, just got rid of their best corner. Right. Their only wins are going to be against the dumpster teams of the NFL. So Chicago. It's so funny that you said that. I have here in my notes. They are good enough to beat 70% of teams below 500. Yeah, yeah, that's who the Giants are. So I have them losing to Tennessee, <clears throat> losing to Dallas, losing to Green Bay. I have them beating Carolina and Chicago. Okay, um, I the think, Carolina games like that's who Carolina is too. They're like a six and eleven team. I'm going to be very interested to see what this offseason contra- quarterback controversy, which is I think under the radar in Carolina right now, going to cause some strife because of the interest that they have in Baker. Is Baker in camp? How long is he in camp? Is Darnold like 100 percent invested? Uh, hearing some of this news, so on and so forth, I think that's going to be tough. Baker? Um, yeah, Baker's been rumored to be going to Carolina. He's going to probably play for Cleveland this year with everything that's going on with well, Deshaun. We'll talk about that later because there's a there's a lot of news that happened over the last week on that as well. But obviously, I have them starting the year two and three. One and four. All right. All right. Next so set of week schedule. six, yep. yeah. Uh, home against Baltimore on the road to take on Jacksonville and Seattle before they come home to take on Houston and Detroit and then end the stretch at Dallas. Wow, I can't believe I'm saying this, but three and three. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's exactly what I got. Let me guess, Jacksonville, Houston, Detroit. Oh, sorry, I have sorry, I have them at four and two. But they'll Holy be six buckets, and, Nicholas. I have them at six and five at this point in the season. Wow. So go ahead. Go through yours. Wins, losses. Uh, lose to Baltimore. Obviously. Beat Jacksonville. Lose to Seattle. Shockingly. Okay. Um, Seattle doesn't have a quarterback. <laughs> but that's kind of a Pete Carroll versus Dable thing because they both have holes. Mm-hmm. Who can hide their holes better? Yeah. I trust Pete Carroll. Okay. Uh, Houston is just bad. Detroit okay. is just bad. And then Dallas will beat them. So, yeah, three and three. All right. I had them beating Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, and Detroit. Yeah, I knew that. Um, And part of the reason why I'm going to give them the win against Seattle 
is because as bad as the Giants are and as many holes as they have, if you look at their star power, there are certain games that just come to come down to are our good guys better than their good guys. They do have decent receivers. They do have a better running back than what Seattle has right now. Maybe not by the end of the year, because I think Kenneth, once Kenneth Walker the third takes over in Seattle, they've got their next Marshawn Lynch, Sean Alexander. Um, and then if you look at the defensive side of the ball, they do have some pass rushers. They do have some like bright spots on defense. I think it will be enough in that game. I'm not sure if it's sustainable for like a playoff run. Right. But my 70% number, you know, they got to win seven out of 10 games against teams below 500. And there's a lot of, there's a couple teams on there below 500. So that's where they're going to come from. And they'll be relevant down the stretch because they'll be at six and five heading into the last part of the season. And I have them at four and seven, which isn't completely out of it. Nope. Especially not in that division. All right. So last part of uh, the schedule for the New York Giants here um, at home to take on Washington and Philly before they get their bye week. Or sorry. There's something wrong here. Anyways, uh, at home, Washington, Philly. Then they go on the road, Washington, Minnesota at home, Indianapolis on the road against Philly to end the year. Mike, is it a tough end of the season? for The Giants. Yeah. Yeah. One, one win. Ooh. All right, where who's where's it coming from? Washington at home. All right, that's fair. They, I mean, those. I expect those two teams to split. So, I don't expect a Philly. Uh, I think Philly sweeps them. Yeah, I do too. I think Minnesota's a lot better. Agreed. And Indianapolis is better. Yes. So yeah, I actually have them. That's finishing them, five and twelve. I got you. I think they're going to beat Washington both times, but those are their only wins here. Okay. Um, Washington needs to prove to me that they can be healthy late. Sure. And they need to be, prove to me that Carson Wentz is going to be good late. Right. I think Dable's offense will be better than Ron Rivera's defense at that part in the season. That's kind of what I'm banking on here, both on the road or at home. There's also a lot going on. We'll talk about it here in a minute with Washington at an ownership standpoint, and that shit runs downhill quite literally if you're and into the stadium and and onto your head if you're a fan. Um, So they'll win those two games, but those are the only two wins. Lost, Lost to Philly, lost to Minnesota, lost to Indy. Lost to Philly again. They finished the year eight and nine. They're relevant. They're back page news for New York, but they are relevant. And that's all you can ask for in Dayball's first year when he really hasn't had the opportunity to assess what that team's going to be. I like what New York is doing because as bad as that season may seem to end, because it's like, oh, more of the same, just below 500. Dayball now will have been able to see, well, here's the pieces I can keep. Here's what I can trade. Here's what I can get rid of. Here's what I need. And next year, I would actually expect expect New York to take a step forward. So even though I'm saying five and twelve, there are quite a few games throughout that schedule that, that they could, go could the other way. Yeah. Yep. So I would say a range is more appropriate with this team. Yeah. Of five and twelve to seven and ten. Okay. And I agree with your relevant comment, but it's one year too early. Okay. So Dable has his first year. They go six and eleven roughly. Okay. Next year they're in the nine and eight conversation gotcha so they're they're a year away i've got them a year ahead of you yeah that's what that is okay cool um and then uh dilly dilly we got to cover some games in philly i know you don't want to and i don't want to either but i have i have i have i have some good news to start this off so we'll go through the games and then i got a game in here that you're gonna love okay all right so uh the philadelphia eagles gave whenever you're ready 
for Mike's frame of reference because he didn't make these graphics. Road games are in black. Got Home it. games are in green. Got it. Gotcha. All yeah. right. Cool. So uh, they start the year on the road against Detroit, at home against Minnesota. Uh, then they get Washington on the road, Jacksonville at home, and Arizona week five on the road. So pretty much every other to start the year. I'm going to say two of them. Yeah, which two are you going to say? Detroit <laughs> and Jacksonville. Okay. You think they lose to everyone else, huh? The Washington game is one of those games that can go either way. Washington early in the year will be healthy. I think Carson Wentz will be playing well. Mm. That's that's a game that will go either way, and it's a home divisional rival game for Washington. I think that's like a field goal at the end that wins it. It's going to be a very close one. Could go either way. So, Philly fans, you could be 3-2. and two. Oh, I have them at 3-2 as well. Well, there you go. And do you have Detroit, Washington, and Jacksonville? Actually, so I have them beating Detroit beating Washington, and beating Arizona. I think they lose to Jacksonville because Doug Peterson is coming back to Philly to get some revenge. That's what I think. Like, quite honestly, they do have the talent necessary to gum up the run game. You saw that last year in the way that they played the Colts at the end of the season. And I think Philly's defense is good enough, though, to give a still young quarterback and Trevor Lawrence fits. I totally agree with you, but I don't underestimate how much of what Doug Peterson did is still installed and left behind in that Philadelphia scheme that he's going to know exactly how to answer. All right. So I think they that Jacksonville gets a feel-good win, uh, and then they do beat Arizona. The reason I think they beat Arizona is because that offense seems to struggle without DeAndre Hopkins, and that's the week before he's allowed to come back. Also the week that they've had the most experience without him. Yeah, well, that's true. Kyler Murray's contract situation... I don't know what that defense is going to look like. That Arizona's team is still a playoff team, and Philly is a bubble we'll, team. When we me, get so. when we get to that division, maybe maybe we can disagree on that one. But as for right now, I do have Philadelphia uh, taking that game without D Hop. Don't so roughly two and three, three and two. Yeah. All right. Next part of the schedule. Cool graphic, by the way. Thank you, NFL teams. If you're looking to hire somebody who can actually do this shit, give me a call. Um, they go, they got at home against Dallas and Pittsburgh. They go on the road to face Houston, at home against Washington, on the road against Indianapolis, and then at home against Green Bay. Four. Four what? Four wins. Four the first other. the first four. So Dallas at home, as I said in the Dallas one, that's a Monday night game in yep. Philly. Philly wins that game. They have a break and then come in. Uh, back home against Pittsburgh, who by week eight, there may be a quarterback controversy brewing. I don't trust Mitch Trubisky. Mm-hmm. I don't trust Kenny Pickett. I don't care who it is that's lining up behind center for Pittsburgh. That's going to be a rough game against a good pass rush and a good interior defense. Um, so Philly there. Houston. I don't trust Davis Mills. You leave him alone. Uh, Washington at home. I'm going to say Philly takes that one and then lose to Indy and lose to Green Bay. All right. Um, I have, I went back and checked my notes. I actually have them losing the Pittsburgh game. I think that defense is going to give Jalen Hurts a lot of problems. Sure. A lot of problems. That's a close one, too. Yeah. And it's the battle for Pennsylvania. So I just don't trust Pittsburgh's quarterback, whoever it may be. Correct. Um, So, I do have them uh, beating Dallas at home, obviously, losing to Pittsburgh. They do beat Houston. Um, I don't think it's Davis Mills' fault entirely. They beat Washington. <laughs> they lose to Indianapolis. Washington throw five picks that and then, lose to, so and then lose to Green Bay. Um, 
Pittsburgh D is too much in the same way that Indy's D is too much for Philadelphia. Um, Like you said, it's kind of a Minnesota-built team. Minnesota, much like Dallas, struggles when you can't run the football. So teams that do well against the run, and then, you know, there's not a lot. I don't trust Jalen Hurts' arm yet. Right. He's still a running quarterback. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's Marcus Mariota plus or Lamar Jackson light. Take your pick. Um, but they are six and five through that part of the schedule. And then they wrap the year up weeks 13 through 18. Got it right this week. Um, at home against Tennessee and then a road stretch against New York, Chicago, and Dallas before they end the season at home against New Orleans, and New York. Four of them again. Shocking. Um, All right. That puts them at like possible 10 wins, 10, 11 wins, even possible. Mm-hmm. Um, they beat New York at, on the road, beat Chicago on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they lose to Tennessee, lose to Dallas. They beat New Orleans at home and then beat the Giants at home. Gotcha. I uh, I struggled here quite mightily to figure out where I wanted to put them. Sure. Based on one game, the New Orleans game. New Orleans, okay. Listen, I know that nobody really believes in Jameis Winston. I know that Sean Payton isn't there. I wanted to give them a. I wanted to give Philly a loss in that game so bad, so bad. That defense is still great. That offensive line is still sufficient. Alvin Kamara is back. They should have Michael Thomas back. They didn't draft terribly. Like it's a good team. It's they, a solid. They're team. they're a, can, they are relevant every year. Philly's too good. Philly's gonna gum up everything against. Uh, Kamara won't have a good Against day. Kamara. Darius Slay should be able to lock down whoever the number one receiver is at that point. Don't have a, like I said, not everybody believes in Jameis Winston. And that defense is good. Jalen Hurts has the tendency at home to just put dudes on skates. So I've got them beating Tennessee. Same reason. Run game real good. New York, Chicago. Loss at Dallas. They beat New Orleans and they beat the Giants. They end the year 11 and 6. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there 10 and 7, 11 and 6 as well. So they're a wild card team? Pretty close. Listen, man, this is a good showing for them. I want, and I, we are not Eagles fans on this show. Nope. Not a fan of Eagles fans on this show. You throw than, snowballs at Santa Claus, you get these hands. E. White told me they've upgraded to D batteries. So Santa, be careful. Jeez. Um, but this team was good enough to get into the playoffs last year. And I think it left me and you both kind of scratching our heads. Oh, I, I, I think it boils down to one guy. Right. And then what did they do? They drafted well. And they it's did another draft well, but they didn't another, give that one guy more weapons either. And it's an, they got AJ Brown. True. I just meant like in the draft. No, I got you. But so playoff team drafts well, another year in the system, and they do get a true number one receiver. I feel like 11 and six surprised me when I looked at the schedule, but after breaking it down, I'm like, I mean, what were they last year? Eight and nine? Nine and eight. Nine and eight. I think you know when they got they made the enough playoffs? moves to yeah plus one plus two wins. I mean, we did say they were the second best, third best draft in the yeah. league this year. Yeah. So well, and then moves outside of the draft. AJ Brown. Yeah. So, so good. Th- good things to come. Hopefully for the Eagles fan. However, for me, not quite good enough uh, to win the division. You'll still finish in second place at eleven and six. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, here's the thing, though, is like if we have them. If, so you had Dallas at 12 and five. I think yeah. I had Dallas at 11 and six. Yeah. So I'll say Dallas is at 11 and six, just for argument's sake, Philly's at 10 and seven in second place. Philly fans, you win one game in Dallas, you win the division. Yeah. 
So it'll be interesting. This Christmas week. Eve is the game that Christmas decides the Eve division. Is the game Last Washington? Y'all sing it with me. We are Commanders. Dan Snyder's a piece of shit. No, no. I was bringing it back. You know, do it. <laughs> whatever. All right, the Washington Commanders. The poop scoopers of the NFL this year. They are the Jets. They are the Bears. They are the Detroit Lions. They are bad. They are Philly two years ago. They're bad. Bad football team. I like their coach. Six and 11. I like some of their pieces. I don't like what's going on up top. We just, I mean, we made mention to it earlier, but shit does roll downhill, right? I don't know how ugly that's going to get. How long is Ron Rivera going to be there? Are there going to be other suspensions to their management staff? Um, is Chase Young going to come back and be healthy? ACLs are always, I mean, they, they're more certain than they were in years previous, but you never really know until you see the guy play. It's not 100%. Carson Wentz is either bad or healthy or, sorry, he's either healthy and bad or broken and probably better for your team. Terry McLaurin's unhappy with this contract. Currently, their running back is never healthy. I just, I can't find it in me to trust them. to trust them in any game that they walk into all year long. So yellow is home or yellow's home games. Okay. And by the way, the New York game is a mistake. Cause I had to make the graphic once again, that's a game against Detroit. The rest of them are correct. Week two, they play Detroit, not New York. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, well, four wins then shockingly <laughs> Jacksonville at home. I'm going to say Washington. So you have them four and two through the first six games. Yep. Well, uh, Jacksonville at home, Washington, Detroit on the road. Sorry, Jared. Washington beats you. Philly at home, I just talked about this one. I think that they kind of split with most of their division foes, except Dallas. So week four, they lose. Week five, they lose. Week six, they win. Okay. Because um, I view Chicago, Jacksonville, and the Jets as like those true, and Detroit as the bottom feeders. This is the best bad team in football. Yes, and that's why I think that they're going to be like a five-win team. Hmm. And, and so remember, I have some teams at like two, Which three is, wins. Uh, I already gave them four of them. <laughs> if exactly. I'm right, the rest of the season is going to suck for you Washington fans. I have them at three and three. All right. Who? So Jacksonville. they'll beat Jacksonville. Detroit. They'll beat Detroit. They'll lose to Philly and Dallas. Chicago. Yeah. Okay. So it's the Philly game at home that we're split on. Yeah. I just like I said, but still, hey, Washington fans, you're starting 500 or four and two, possibly. And Holy then it's crap. all gonna fall apart, <laughs> so yeah, just like your stadium. Next, so we're good. To the next part of the schedule, um, uh, where they go, Green, they got Green Bay at home, then they go to Indianapolis, they take on Minnesota at home, they go to Philly, they go to Houston, and then they go versus Atlanta. One, okay, so Houston. Two, Houston and Atlanta. The Atlanta one is very ant for me. They have Atlanta at home. That's why I gave it to them. Okay. Right? And honestly, the commander's field, is it FedEx field? Is that right? The field itself is cursed. Is horrible to play on as well. Nobody step on the 14-yard line. And Atlanta is a turf dome team coming outside to play on that horrible, horrible, horrible grass. So Without a top wide receiver. Right. Really. You know what I mean? So, like, they're going to get trounced in Green Bay, trounced in Indianapolis, more bad momentum in Minnesota. They're going to get the they're going to get pistol whipped in Philly. Like, it's just 
they'll look good against teams with bad pass defense and bad O-lines. Other than that, yeah, dumpster fire would be correct, Gabe. Good job. All right, last part of the schedule. This is where it gets really ugly for me. So they take those two wins, week 11 and 12, or, you know, Houston and Atlanta, and then I got them losing out. I have them winning at home against New York, but that's it. So that's a 6-11 and 11 team. I had New York beating them in both games. Yeah. So they lose to New York twice. Then they get San Francisco. They're going to get their asses whooped. Cleveland, that run game is going to be a lot to deal with. And Dallas, once again, end the season. They finished the, they they started the year three and three. They're finishing the year five and twelve. I mean, I had them starting four and two and finishing six and eleven. So similar story. The schedule does get harder as they go deeper. And that's also their track record is to get unhealthy, I guess would be yes, the word. Correct. As the season progresses. Washington so. has a tendency. Or Washington has been attempting. Has a history. No, they've been attempting to not hard reset this team. Right. This is the year where they're going to have to do it. At the end of the season, at 5-12, and 12, are you going to be able to keep Terry McLaurin? No. Is Carson Wentz's contract moving forward, forward sustainable? No. Is you've now wasted three out of the first four years of Chase Young's contract. You're going to look at that either have to pay him big money or move him. If he doesn't ask out already, a lot of that defensive line talent is going to start to get expensive. Their safeties are only getting older. Now Um, it's their running back. Can't stay healthy. And is Ron Rivera with his health going to want to stay? There's a lot of really tough questions to happen in Washington at the end of this year. I think the hard reset should have come with the name change. Sure. But it didn't, so you're going to have to do it in year two. We'll see. I All think right. they're going to be sitting at 6-11, and 11 and they're just going to progress to that. I'm not leaving the studio, Gabe. <laughs> just leave Washington. Oh, all right. Let's leave Washington. Oh, perfect. So we have uh, a little bit of time. Yeah, a little bit of time to go over the hot corner. But first, let us know what you think about the dumpster fire division in the NFL. Yeah, and there's a topic in here that I wanted Gabe's opinion on, and we'll start with that one. Is that fair? Yeah. Hey, Gabe, do you hear the rumors that Kamara Usman's going to skip the 185 division in 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 uh, an opportunity to become the champ champ, go directly up to 205 for his title shot against Prohaska? I did not hear that. What are your thoughts on this? I was very intrigued by this. Wow. So my my... Boy, my first thing is that, no, he can't, that he's not big enough, but I, I don't know what he walks around at. He walks you know? around at 190. Wow, uh, 195. Like that, That's tough. Then. I don't like you going above your weight to walk around, but he's I think that Prohaska, is he he's the that biggest 170-some pounder available. Yeah, but walking he, around at 190, yeah, yeah, 195 yeah, yeah, yeah. and having to fight you. at 205. I got gotcha. you. Is he making that choice based on their last fight off, off of the – uh, Prohaska and Glover to share a fight. So there wasn't there. There was no illusion, or or there was nothing that alluded to that fight. Okay. The question was wow. what? The question was because of Canelo's loss, it doesn't look like that fight's going to materialize because he's got some Canelo's got some work to do in boxing, and he's not going to be able to take the fun fight, right? Which I'm glad that 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 was correct. An awful. Thing totally agree right. with you. Who gave a shit. But totally yeah. agree with you. But the the question was if Kamara still wants to be in the spotlight and he's making, he's lapping the division for his second complete time at his current weight division and has said he's 
you know, the three kings, him, Adesanya, and Nganu are like the three African princes or whatever they want to call him. Yeah, he refuses so he to go up to 180. Yeah. And I think he would lose to Adesanya on length alone. Yes. Does yeah. he then, does he, so what is in the cards? And Kamara's, his manager, coach, trainer, his camp came out and said, 205 is something that we have talked about. And by the way, this isn't the first time his camp has mentioned it. So, okay. With man, that's super interesting How because. How tall is he? I got to look it up. Okay, yeah, I was going to say. But for me, if Kamara Usman does this and goes to 205, and let's say he beats Prohaska, does he not become the pound-for-pound greatest fighter ever? I wonder what... Yeah. I don't know because... He's... So this here says he's 6 feet 177. Does it make you the greatest because he saw a matchup he can win and take it? You know what I mean? Like, like nobody, just, nobody's ever skipped it. Nobody's gone up in the UFC two weight divisions and ever won a fight, let alone be six done it three to become champ, champ. So he's I, got three inches on him. Okay. I gotta say, I would so much more, and I think I speak for all fans here. Yeah, everyone would rather see him fight Izzy. And I know they it's say not going to happen. I know they say that though, but many people have said that over the years in fighting. Truly, many people have. But if they, if that's but, a big money, if that's both a, of those guys are bucks each purse, both of those guys are lapping that division. And Izzy's got a guy in uh, Pereira who's beat him twice. Yep, who's coming up, and Usman has said he doesn't have a lot of time left with his knees. Yeah, and some of the other things he has going on. So if Izzy wins this fight. And then he's got to go face Pereira. You're looking at not being able to fight, or, or Usman not really getting a, a a fight that's worth his that's worth his legacy until the end of the middle of 2023. And I know this wouldn't move the needle enough, but as you're talking here, I, I'm just seeing it. It just feels like such a novelty one-off thing. It's like I'd rather see him fight Robert Whitaker for again for a third. No, fight? No, no, oh, no, 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 no. I'm no, saying oh, gotcha, Usman. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Like you know. There are better. There are many tough fights for him at one at one eighty five. But this now we're getting into the Connor argument, right? The Connor argument is what fight is smart for is what fight is smart for the fighter, right? Because the fighter doesn't want to do anything that is going to do irreparable necessarily yeah, he damage. Wants a big money fight. Why would you go to fight Robert Whitaker without there being another title or something you can attain legacy wise on the line? Totally agree. That's why I'm saying that this one wouldn't move the needle as much, but it's like. God, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so unmoved by that 205 thing, but it doesn't grab me in this like, whoa, I want to see that. I would definitely want to see him fight Izzy. I would definitely, if for some reason Whitaker had the, the, had the belt, yeah. uh, yep, I'd much rather see that. But I think Prohaska. In that fight, who do you got, Gabe? Prohaska. So do I. Just because of size. I, I just don't think you can overcome that. Everyone thinks that that's, you know, I get it when you see Usman's skill set. He's also a unbelievable wrestler and he hasn't had to use it in the last three years he's been so lethal with his hands yeah so prohaska walks around at 216 oh yeah and he is and usman walks around at 170 and yeah prohaska is a good striker i do think his reputation is elevated by the fact that he just fought a 40 year old but yeah but but yeah glover to share is no regular 40 year old but yeah (laughs) but i mean he's also like he got uh, – that was a brutal fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like guys who can stick through that stuff and win. We haven't seen Usman. Like what's the most he's been tested? I can't even think of him being the tested. Co- the co- both the Covington fights. Yeah. I mean, and they were. 
But it's and, like, and Covington used to fight Co- Covington, who has faced Usman twice, used to walk around at when he first got to American Top Team, where Usman or Usman was there. Yeah, he was. Don't there. ask me. He was dude, there with. I, Ma- know, I yeah. will. He was there with. He was. Know. He was there with Masvidal, and Colby Covington was a 220 pound wrestler coming out of college. So I'm sure Usman has plenty of experience moving with guys like. That. Not mention Usman trains with Francis, who's 225. Yeah, but but you got to remember. Look at when Izzy fought um, Blahovich. Blahovich, yeah. Izzy's How, different. They look so, but a lot of guys, when they go up, they look so pedestrian, right? Like, I mean, it's fighting is Unless so much about, yeah, I mean, Connor's sort of the, the But dude, guy, going but up 10, 15 pounds actually, from your walk around weight, too. Actually, I'm going to take that back. Remember Connor fighting Diaz the first fight? Yes. And he hit him with four or five of his biggest shots. And, and to see, even, D- yeah, yeah it, it, it's not nothing. By the way, update on him now is he's not fighting until 2023. So he's not take Connor fighting. off the table. Um, all right, so you you've got you've got Prohaska, Mike. If I were to make a guess, I would say Prohaska as well. I'm like like Brady and Jordan. I'm not betting against him. My money's on Usman. You just bet against Brady against freaking like Daniel Jones earlier today or whoever it was. I did not. Dak it was Dak Prescott. You just same thing. You just mistaken Dak Prescott for Daniel Jones. What has Dak Prescott got that Daniel Jones doesn't? One playoff win. I think the worst thing is that even if Usman did go up there and win. Prohaska, it doesn't like yes it does help his legacy for sure but it it's not one of these just oh he's hands down the best all time i don't think oh i don't how? think Prohaska, even though we think he's that good he's not a champion who's defended yet or anything like that even though i think he is that good but i'm just saying i don't know why i'm so unmoved by this thing loud noise it no i'm just kidding yeah i don't know all right uh next would be tonight the nba draft happens we did not prep for this at all what should the Wolves do at 19? Something good. Trade it. You think so? Trade For it. For what? There's a lot. Have you not been paying attention to a lot of the Timberwolves like news stuff lately? I mean, some of it. For what? Um, there has been a lot of uh, trade rumors going around that the Wolves would be trading 19 and D'Angelo Russell to bring back DeJounte Murray from the Spurs and a first-round pick this year and an unprotected first-round pick next year. If that's the trade, I'm doing it right now. Uh, yeah, I was like, pull that trigger as yeah. quick as you can. Yeah. I don't know why it hasn't already been done. There was also one for uh, us to go get Clint Capella. Depends on what the details are, but I'm interested. That puts Cat at the four, which makes it very interesting. Yes. Um, other than that, there wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of other ones that I saw that struck my interest, but I just wanted to know, I mean, is there a guy in the... Is there a guy... That you know of coming out of college where you're like, I would trade pieces from Minnesota on that pick to go get him. Yes, but Ooh. he's going number one. Chad Holmgren? Yeah. He's not going number one. Who's going number one? Um, I just read it this morning and I'm blanking on it. Yeah, who's now. the best player in this Chad draft? Holmgren. No. And Orlando's already got an absurd amount of big men. They've drafted post players the last three years at the top of the draft. Chet Holmgren will go number one. I'm not saying he plays for Orlando. Oh, you think somebody else is going to come get him? They're going to get the trade rights to Chet Holmgren, though, or the draft rights. That's fair. You can't pass on an... He's a generational talent at the five spot. He's also generationally skinny. 
Yeah, if Cat goes out and guards him on the perimeter, though, you know what's happening? What? Chet's going right around him. Oh, I don't know about that. Bruh. I know Cat doesn't play much defense, but come on now. He's a cone. You could turn the you could turn the fans on. He's a cone. You could turn the fans on in most basketball stadiums and blow Chet Holmgren over. Don't disrespect this dude. I know he's a Minnesota kid, but God, he is like, dude, I've eaten French fries thicker than him. Yep. Your French fries couldn't dunk from the free throw line? <laughs> yeah. Dude, All right. He's insane. Yeah, I don't know. Um, who, who here's a question. Yeah. Who's the most intriguing prospect this year? Like this draft does not interest me as much. No, there's purely no because cur- the Timberwolves are at 19 as well and not like five. But, <laughs> Good. but why do we even care about this year's draft class? Like who is there to care about other than Chet Holmgren? Kid from Duke is really good. There's always a kid from Duke. And I mean, do how often do they truly pan out? I also think there's going to be a block, but there is a potential for some blockbuster stars to be traded tonight on teams that are looking to reset. Uh, oh, there we go. So Paul, the Banchero kid is from Duke. Yep. Um. Oh, uh, the guy that's supposed to be going number one, Jabari Smith, Auburn, 6'10", power forward. That's who they think is going. That's what I heard today. I think it's going to be Chet. So scroll down to like 19-20, Gabe. Let's just see who like the Timberwolves are even. Uh, Mark Williams. I'd take Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin at 19 if he falls. What do we need? Like, what what actual position would you say? To be honest, what I would like to add is an imposing big man. Yeah, but you're going to have to trade for that. There isn't one in the draft. I mean, I don't know much about... Mark Williams? uh, Duran or Duran, if he drops. Mark Williams from Dukes. Or from Duke, yeah. yeah, I guess he's on the board, too. And he's 7'2". That's a big cat. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. Only other center. Next one, we got Walker Kessler from Auburn. I'm not sold on him. Orlando Robinson either from Fred. Well, Fresno's got a good program, but he's 6'11". We say that like it's short. I know. That's what I was going to say. Here's a seven-footer from Arizona, Christian Coloco. Yeah, but but he's 221 pounds. So I don't know if it's just because I didn't pay as much attention to like There's no studs this year. Johnny Juzang is like was like ridiculous for UCLA and he's at 50. There's just no names I even recognize. Yeah, there isn't. There isn't any names. Scotty Pippen Jr., that's footer. a that's a name. Is that his kid? Yep. Or no, it's not him. his kid. It's a different <laughs> Scotty Pippen Jr., Nicholas. I would get him in the Look second it. round. If he's available, I'd go get Pippen Jr. Hey, just I like cause. this one. Yeah. How about Kofi Cockburn? Um he's actually pretty seven good. Seven feet, two hundred and ninety three. Yeah, pounds. he's actually decent. Is he really? Yeah. Almost 300 pounds, dude. That Because, well, like, what what I like about Kofi, though, is the Big oh. Ten plays a slower-paced game. Yeah. And he's he was a pretty good for, for Illinois. Yeah. yeah. Check out this dude. John Butler, 7'1", 174 pounds. All right. Are so you that's... sure that doesn't say Chet Holmgren? John Butler. Holy crap. I got to look him up. I'm doing it right now. Florida State. I want to see how skinny this dude is. Yeah, I got to find him. I already forgot his name. Was it Cockburn? Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. What's his name again? John Butler, Florida State. He is very skinny. (laughs) This dude could hula hoop with a Cheerio. 
Whoa. This dude <laughs> cannot play in the NBA. No, he's going to break. Very thin. I Very thin. He makes Minute Bull look husky for real. Or he's, even Sean Bradley. Dude, look at this photo. Like, that's supposed to be a compression sleeve shirt as a D1 athlete. Oh, I want to get this. On so that screen. one right there. Okay, go, go up a little bit. And then the far left, him shooting. That's a compression shirt that's supposed to be tight to your arm. And he's a Division <laughs> One athlete. <laughs> yeah, that's not great, son. Wow. Did this kid just, like, as D1 athletes, they get meal stipends, right? God, I hope so. Jesus. This guy needs an NIL from, like, Doritos. This yeah. is, it's very, like, you know, who's the last freak tall big man who's actually worked in the NBA? You know, who, who, who really. I truly think the next one is going to be Chet Holmgren. Okay. Like, his skill set is not just a center. Like, he no. can truly dribble. He can dribble the floor. Chet he Holmgren can... is Kristaps Porzingis. Now, let's see if Chet can stay healthy. That's. I think Chet can shoot a little bit better too. You got to remember, Porzingis could shoot originally. I know. I know, I know what I said. Those injuries. I know what I said. And here I'm going to show this just for the audience. This is the. Yeah, this is absurd. So that is a compression shirt. You're saying? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it to me. That looks like right. a short sleeve compression, like a dry fit Nike shirt. Wow. Am I wrong? That looks like that to you, right? Yeah. And Good then, Lord. I'm going to put and then Chet. Chet's really skinny too. I mean, Chet's got 20 pounds on him. And where did he come from? You said he's, he's from Minnesota. Minnesota he went to Minnehaha Academy. Yeah. Um, I wonder where he grew up. Uh, north side of the cities, I believe. Really? I, I was guess, going to guess like Wyzetta, Eden Prairie. Somewhere where there's money that he can uh, use for. It's for, like, set, for special pants. Exactly, well, for <laughs> special training. training. Yeah. Kid's been a, the kid's been a phenom forever. I, I've been seeing videos of Chet Holmgren for five, for five years. He has actual like ball skills and yes. stuff like that. Too. He's he's ridiculous. He took a, he took on Stephen Curry in a one on one at a camp. He was the number one overall recruit in the nation. Yeah, and now he's going to go number one overall. Hey, by the, the way, did he like stay? He's one of those. Did guys. he stay in Minnesota? Nope. Oh wait, uh, how about Jalen Suggs? Did Jalen Suggs as the number one recruit stay in Minnesota? You're going to give me a heart attack, Nicholas. No, he did not. Mm, weird. I'm going to put up this Holmgren one real quick. Program so um, ass. Whatever, show the people for anyone who doesn't know. So he played Minnehaha Academy. It's, yep. It said he, yeah, it says that he grew up in Minneapolis too. Yep. So. And, and okay, and he played where college? Uh, Gonzaga. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Hey, Minnehaha. How about do this kid some justice and buy him a longer shirt? Now that's a schmedium. That's probably a large. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, he looks long. I just can't imagine that yeah. dude playing against certain guys. It's, but, it, but, but it's the again, ball skills that's going to separate him. Okay. True, and you got to remember the NBA is different now. Shaq does not exist in today's NBA. But if he played against Shaq, let's say Shaq was transported to today's don't, NBA. Don't start. Chet Holmgren takes him out on the perimeter. Don't, Nick. don't. Shaq can't keep up with him. Have you ever seen the video of like the guy who puts his hand on the forehead of his little brother, and then he just can't move? Bruh. Like, Do we need? You know what? We have time. No, we don't. Because we got the A's and the Rays on the move. Who cares? I do. Why? <laughs> because Rob. It's Manfred, good for baseball if they move. Because hopefully, there's actually some money in those teams. That's then. what I want to talk about. Okay, good. We're agreeing. Now let's watch Chet Holmgren highlights. No. Because last time we pulled up unsolicited highlights, our video yeah. got flagged. Fair enough. 
All right. Look into Chet Holmgren. Look, yeah. He's going to go number one tonight. He's not. You want to put a bet on it? I'll bet you a dollar. Oh. Lose, loser. Oh. Ah, listen, loser has to come on next week's show with a clean shaved face. No, I said one dollar. Do you want to take clean the better shaved not? face? All right, I'm not doing that. Is there a trade that you could make if you're GM of the Wolves? Is there a trade you could make that that make it sense to bring that guy in? If I was playing 2K, yeah. I mean, <laughs> to be to honest, me that well, trade you're, you're moving like on from, reality. You're moving on from Cat at that point, in my no. opinion. To me, that trade okay. has to look like. How about that as an option? Would you trade Cat and something else? We never would though. Like that. Else. That's the thing. Is it? Well, it, it's actually, outside of the realm of realistic. Actually. With Cat, do a Supermax, I would do it. I would offer it, actually. I would make that call tonight. With Cat being do a Supermax contract. Would Orlando I would make take that him? Call. Yeah, probably. Straight up for number one? No. You're probably going to have to go Cat and Malik's, or no, Malik. No, Cat and Malik Beasley, and then a pick next year. For Chet, Chet Holmgren right now? To get Chet right now. And you keep your 19 this year. And then you have two guys, a young core that is pretty electric, possibly. Yeah, Wiggs and Chet Holmgren. Or not Wiggs. Uh, I would take Wiggs back <laughs> so fast. So you got Edwards and Chet Holmgren. And then you have D'Angelo as another trade piece. Then so you, you could still do that D'Lo for DeJounte Murray trade. So you have DeJounte Murray, Anthony Edwards, and Chet Holmgren. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not this year, but in two years? Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. That's not bad. All right, now can we talk about the A's and the Rays? Yeah, we can. All right, you want to put that image back up for me there, But, Gabe? like, even A's and Rays fans don't care. That's why we're talking about them. That's <laughs> part of the point here. So Rob Manfred, when asked about this the other day, uh, said, we are getting to the point, whatever uh, whatever region that has interest in having 162 games, they need to get to it because the leases are ending on both of these. Uh, if you're not watching this, actually, I would suggest hop on over to our Facebook page right now and take a look at this because what we have up on the screen are actually the proposed designs for both ballparks, um, the waterfront park in Oakland, and then an actual teardown and rebuild of the Rays Stadium. Um, Tropicana Field, also I've been to Tampa. Where the field is is in a weird. really weird it's spot. Weird it's spot. right over a long bridge that you ride over, and it's like tucked in the corner. It's kind of tough to get to. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you're looking at this image on the bottom left-hand corner where the A's is, it looks like it's got a cool little backdrop. That's center field, it looks like, if you reference the right photo, huh? Y- yes, it the is. Where it drops down there? Yep. Which is actually kind of a cool design, right, for a ballpark. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be my nerdy self. Yep. So I was legitimately playing the show last night. And what I've been playing right now is a my player, so I yeah. just control one dude. Had a series in Oakland. Yes. And I was watching the intro of the game. Seven fans. Right. That's not what I was going to say, but yeah, there <laughs> were very few fans, even in a video game. <laughs> but, like, what clicked to me was, like, this is the Raiders' old stadium. Yeah. Like, this isn't even the A's stadium, so really. They- so the like, A's- that's if the Twins still, to play this day, dome. played in the Dome. That's weird. So here's the thing. If I'm Oakland... Why on God's green earth, if I'm the A's, would I want to stay in Oakland? You don't. You Why don't. would I want to stay in Canada? You Ca- flat out do not. Because there are two proposals right now for the A's, one of which is in Oakland. Guess where the other one is? Guess what city has been accumulating sports teams lately? Las Vegas. Las Vegas. And I the would be there sense. in a 
heartbeat. If God, you, but Nicholas, can be. you imagine Absolutely. playing? But, counterpoint. If they go to Vegas, do they have to play inside? No, an outdoor stadium. You're going to play July games in the dead of the summer in the desert? Oof. Bruh. It's a dry heat. So? So is a fucking Bunsen burner, but if I put that on your face, you're going to burn. Yeah. People, I mean, but they they attend the NASCAR races outdoors in Vegas. I don't know, man. That's You're acting like they don't play football in Florida outside in August. I get it. I or get it. in Texas. I understand, but... Mm. Does North Carolina have it? What, like, am I blanking on a Carolina team? No, you, they huh. don't. They don't. So that was my thing. So the A's have it narrowed down to two places. And if There's I'm, a lot of teams on the East Coast, though. If I'm Oakland, I'm, I'm out of Oakland. I'm like, build me a stadium in Vegas. Vegas has the money. Vegas has the investors. Vegas is rapidly expanding. Does Oakland just really need a new owner, though, that's willing to spend money? Not necess- I don't necessarily think so. I just think... They're kind of I've stuck seen money with the situation ball. that they have. Um, if I'm the Rays, however, you know what I'm looking at? Nebraska, Tennessee, and Portland. Nebraska doesn't have a pro sports team. If you got never them, will. If There's got 14 them, people in the whole state. That's not true. I've been in Nebraska plenty of times. If you put the stadium somewhere between Lincoln and Omaha, they'd have a very loyal fan base. Is that ideal? No. Portland, same thing. Not necessarily ideal. However, Nashville needs a baseball team. Like you want to talk about like a demographic that's built for baseball, like the country, the country music scene, young, like Tennessee makes a ton of sense. If I'm Tampa's ownership, you guys want the right answer now? Yes. Cause I've got it. Sure. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm summoning the courage to say it. Um, Minnesota? Honolulu something. Uh, Hawaii. So the other, I was, if you're going to go that way. Edmonton is what I was going to say. Do you want to know my honest answer? You can't put another team in Canada with the COVID restrictions these days. Cut them both. We were, okay. So this kind of goes back to the conversation me and you had in the car the other day. So. Mm. Get rid of them both. I was going to say cut them. Not both. Yeah, because one can go to Vegas easily. Yes, I sure. would agree Vegas with that. Vegas can, sure. can absolutely sustain it. But then you're at 29 teams, which is an odd number. I just I don't understand the economics of the major leagues these days. Because I don't either. Look at the two you teams can. who have the least amount of income and payroll, and get rid of oh, those the, two teams. The Twins. Yeah, I was going to no, say they're that. like tenth. But you know, we they're, were not as, they're not as far down as we think. The Baltimore Orioles. I mean, Oakland would be one of them. Why don't we push at this sounds weird, but they did it. They've done it in other leagues. Why not push them together? Why not take a couple of the lowest teams instead of cutting two? Why not take because then you have 29. Oh, yeah, uh, you'd have to take the lowest four. Yeah, so Baltimore, uh, the A's, Rays, and give me the Pirates. Push Baltimore the and the Pirates. Pirates actually together. have a very loyal fan base, they do. So push. Push. That, no, that fills stadiums even when they're bad. So you, I don't know if that's. I'll look it up quick. I know, I know they do. Pat McAfee complains about it on the show all the time. He had sell the team, damn it, trending on Twitter last year when the Pirates were real bad. Montreal, you can't. Like I said, you can't put another team in Canada with the COVID restrictions. Okay, fine. Here's the best one ever, okay. and this is the best one ever. Okay. Havana, <laughs> and I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah. They could do it. We're now open. We can travel with them now. How about yeah. Miami? 
Havana. Getting would rid of be, Miami. Havana Q would be great. Miami. It'd be incredible. There's so many teams. The least valuable already. teams in the MLB. Number 30, Miami Marlins. Number yeah. 29, Tampa Bay. 28 is Kansas City. Yeah. 27, Pirates. 26, Diamondbacks. They don't have to contract. Oakland's 25. Right. We're they don't the have race. to contract. We're just saying. And by the way, Gabe, you know what? I was looking uh, at a website the other night, and I'll send it to you afterwards. Do you know what other cities have actually put in applications for ball teams? The Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. I mean, those would be phenomenal. Puerto Rico, San Juan. You put a team in San Juan. San Juan, Puerto Rico would be a great spot for a ball club. I think that Havana or Havana Cuba would be be great. I mean, for real, that would be a perennial sellout. But then it's it's the whole argument of like you're putting an American team in a different country kind of a thing. Well, that's why I think Puerto Rico is the great compromise. You're calling me a globalist? Uh, (laughs) Let's see. Oh, Indianapolis. I don't think of you know. I don't think of India as a They have a triple A ball team, though. Yeah, they do. The Indians. Mm. That's uh, the Pirates triple A yep, affiliate. See, a I lot of these that. like mid market teams though already have triple A ball clubs too. New Orleans. New Orleans. I've never thought of that. New Orleans also doesn't strike me as a baseball city. They can barely get it right with Zion and basketball. They don't need any more stress. Cooperstown. Cooperstown. Now here's the thing. Cooperstown, New York, makes sense. But I don't know if you can squeeze another ball club into the Mets Yankees market. That's that was kind of my whole argument with the Ooh. Carolinas too. Is like you have a lot of teams on that East Coast. So yeah, a lot of teams on the West Mexico. Coast. Where are you drawing fans from? Yeah, New Mexico wouldn't be bad. Mexico. Oh, Mexico. I mean Monterey, Mexico. That'd be phenomenal, man. Like that yeah. again, sell out like that, and you would just bring. See, if, if you were going to go Mexico, game, though, I think you go Mexico City. Yeah, I think Monterey is more like up. Um, whatever, uh, not upscale, owned by, yeah, not yeah. owned by the cartel, less cartelish. Yeah. Although that's probably not true anymore. I'm sure they're all Tijuana. Yeah. No, let's not, no don't fucking ever fucking do that. What the fuck? Tijuana. Santo Domingo. Dominican Republic. San Juan, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico would be great. That's a U.S. protectorate. Tokyo. See, I think if you're going to go, I think if you're going to go outside of like the contiguous 48, the most realistic would be San Juan. Yeah. Because you're not going to go Hawaii. Even a San Francisco Giants, that's a what? Six-hour flight? Yeah. But no, if Hawaii I'm the Rays. Six hours? I, I'm just saying from like the East Coast because I th- or right. West Coast because I think it's from here. It's like 13, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So like. Yeah, it, it's a long Okay, way. now the Yankees are playing the Honolulu no, I, and Luau's I'm, and it's I'm done a 24-hour flight. Havana or, or Vancouver. Havana over San Juan, though. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, because there's baseball history there. Yeah, yeah, there's a ton of base. I mean, Puerto Rico obviously has a ton of like players and history, but Cuba, it is their national. Yeah. It's all they got. You know, the Rays were trying to take their. They wanted to take I mean, half their. Both. They wanted to take half their season into a different market. You know what I mean? So, like, why not give them? I think the fair compromise is putting them in San Juan or uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, or Havana, Cuba. I think that's a great answer, guys. I think both teams. And like move Oakland to Las Vegas. And move Oakland to Las Vegas. Yes. Here's my so proposal. loyal fans can still be loyal fans. Close. Add four teams. Oh <laughs> God! Put, God, put no. one in Mexico, one in uh, Puerto Rico. I, I think it'd be phenomenal for the game. I think the thirty teams is almost poor for the game because you have guys like. You got guys hitting 170 on major league rosters right now. Yeah, look no, at the batting true. average. You that that get... shows the di- it shows that the ball could be made differently, but it also shows the di- dilution of talent. Yeah, in the major agree. leagues, I would agree. So, 
So you add Sweet. four more, it gets the even worse. The league batting average drops twenty more points. The ERA goes up. Yeah. So I don't think it's that simple though, because you do give opportunity to more guys who do transcend their spot too. I mean, I hear what you're That's saying. I just think it'd be the same. That's all. That's why every club has three minor league teams. So they have four technically because you have a low A as yeah, well. Yeah, you have a low A. So four times 30 is what? 120 players already in farm systems times 30. That's a lot. So a lot of players. It's actually more shameful that none of us made the major leagues. Yeah, now that you think of it so. that way. There's 3,000 so. plus minor leaguers out there right now. And we're not any of them. We were not even considered. Nope. <laughs> and then there's, in theory, 25 times 30. Almost 700 major league ball players. Yeah. So almost 4,000 ball players like that are getting paid to play. Ball and that's just in the MLB system. Our that's odds were actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they were. I swear hockey's the best odds, though. The fact that I graduated with two kids that are like in the NHL shows me that. Yeah. One of them was a supreme athlete. That's what I'll say yep. to be nice. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we got for the show today, boys. Yeah. Great show, Gabe. Well done. Good show. You guys, too. I thought it was fun. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, make sure you tune in uh, with us next week uh, as we may have uh, a special guest in Nash Walker with us as we approach the uh, MLB trade deadline and the All-Star break. Uh, we will be pre- preparing, and I'll give Mike a little bit of a heads up here, for a major UFC card um, that is going to be happening that we'll be able to cover next week as well. Uh, Ryan Garcia's fight is coming up at some point uh, in the near future. We might be covering that. And then next week, Pick a division that we haven't covered yet, Mike. Have we covered the NFC West? No. We have not. Let's do that one. All right. Let's do the NFC West next week as well. Um, so, Mike, if they want to share this great show with their friends so they can come in and watch all this incredible content that we're going to put forward next week, what platform should we be on? As always, guys, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Spotify, Twitter, uh, YouTube, YouTube Patreon. Patreon, and Twitch. And MCN 6 on Saturdays after 10 o'clock. If you are not in the Minnesota market, you can download and get that on the Roku app. Uh, As always, glad to have everybody with you. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. Stay safe. Have fun. No fires in the studio this week that rushed us off air. NBC. Our relation to NBC.